It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? It fits! Whoa! I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Won't you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Don't laugh at me. Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? And so we're neighbors again today. I'm glad to be with you. I am. So, good morning. And uh, I just want you to know, I did actually go out to the store yesterday and put down some good money for this that I could zip up. I, I wore a mystery sweater last week that was in the midst of my closet and all my clothes, and I tr- didn't try it on before I came. Just figured it would work. There was a price tag on it. It, was never, it looked like it had never been worn, but it must have been for me. I felt so bad. My wife must have given me a gift that I didn't never used, like that's never happened. And, uh, and I put it on, and most of you judged it was a woman's sweater. Because it did not, it did not want to go on. And then it zipped from the left, which throws me off totally. And someone said, it's European. So I felt maybe a little pride there. But I, uh... <laughs> anyway, um, Susan doesn't recognize it either, so it remains a huge mystery sweater. However, I saw her heading off for Art Prize on Friday with a friend from church here. And I looked over and I'm like, ah, wearing the sweater. So... <laughs> Anyway, we're just using this because um, one of the things we're aware of and we think about when we think about Mr. Rogers, and some of us have thought about Mr. Rogers more this year uh, than we have in a long time, and some of you have never thought about him, and you'll survive. It's okay. But Mr. Rogers, what, what he brings to mind, uh, among other things, is caring for people and taking them seriously and giving them attention, and just the word neighbor. And last week, we explored a passage in the Bible, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 39, that uh, Jesus is having a a dialogue with this uh, lawyer um, who knows the Jewish law, the, the, the spiritual law. And it's about what's most important and what's most significant in life. And they go, they go to these two places, actually, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Leviticus chapter 19, raise these really important words out of Torah, which is the, the core scripture for the Jewish faith and exceedingly central for the Christian faith as well, allowing those passages to rise up and um, to crystallize God's word for the, the, the biggest expression for how we are called to live. Um, and then Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, and we, we got a sense of what it means to love a neighbor, and we talked about taking it not just seriously, but literally, paying attention to those who are closest to us, our, our literal neighbors. Because sometimes as Christians, Jesus' Good Samaritan stories had such impact on us, we understand a, a neighbor is in a lot of ways anybody else, anybody we would run to, maybe especially someone in some kind of need or some kind of challenging situation. If they're different than us, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, Jesus would say, drive at home, the end of Matthew chapter 5, he says, love your enemies. 
It's almost like Jesus is saying, do you know what? Literally, it doesn't matter. Whoever you see, whoever you run into, it doesn't matter who they are. They are your neighbor. And one way or the other, my call to you is to love them. Wow. But when we, when we get it at that level, it becomes very theoretical for us. Because you know what? I don't run into enemies too often. You know what I mean? And my life has not been threatened recently. Truthfully, directly, personally, my life has never been threatened. I've never been close, except when I drive every day. I, I get that point. But, but, but I've never been close to losing my life because someone else was trying to do harm to me or somebody else near me. I don't know what that's about. Personal enemies, I, I really don't have a lot. Like, I would say I don't have any. So before long, it, it, love your neighbor becomes a very theoretical thing. And it might be a really good thing for people like us to pay attention to our literal neighbors because sometimes they're the ones who are right there and we never pay attention to them. Let's sometimes take God's word, not just seriously, but literally. Sometimes the literal meaning can be really challenging and helpful. I want to read a passage with you this morning. We're going to throw the words up. Uh, Let's stand as we hear some more words from, uh, from Luke chapter 10. Some we saw last week. Whoops. Nope. We're going to keep going here. All right. Um, nope. Go back. Back. There we are. The other back, yeah. So, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So uh, before I dig into that, I I just want to ask you a question. Um, Any of you remember the grid from last week, the tic-tac-toe grid? Uh, some of you are here. Um, it was a way of thinking about if, if you, if you uh, had nine squares and right in the center. I know our, our neighborhoods aren't quite set up like this or our apartment buildings uh, or our, our condo developments aren't quite set up like this. But nonetheless, you get the idea. If, if you're right in the center, who are your eight closest neighbors? And the challenge was, can you name them? And the truth is, Virtually none of us can. We can name some. My guess is that probably none of us can name none. All right? But I'm not sure any of us can name all. And that's that's where it all begins. So my question is, anybody meet... I'm actually asking for a hand. I'm not going to interview you. Don't worry. Um, Anybody meet a neighbor this week? Okay, I see a couple hands. Okay, okay. rest of you, let's get going, okay? <laughs> All right? So here, let me tell you um, my, my success and my fail of the week, okay? My success. I'm out the other day. I'm walking the dog. We have this uh, new family moved in during the summer while I was gone. A couple weeks ago, Susan and I were walking two dogs, and we're walking along, and all of a sudden I see a woman in front of her house. They're out. She's out. So I'm like, hey, and <laughs> wave. And I start walking over. Hi, I'm Craig. Who are you? Welcome to the neighborhood. Who are you? 
I'm Mary Beth. And so we spent a few moments chatting, got, actually found out a lot about her really quickly, and it was, it was you know, perfectly comfortable. Um, but, but I can tell they're not people to spend much time outside. Um, they're mostly an indoor family, young kids. And so for the last three weeks, I, as I've been walking, I've been looking for husband, and I haven't seen husband. And I was finishing up a dog walk the other day, and husband was there. He had just started cutting the lawn. It's running. So I bring the dog in, and I start uh, coming over, and all of a sudden he looks up from a row, and I'm like, and I motion, turn off your lawnmower. And he does. And I walk over, and I met Patrick, and we chatted for a few moments, and okay, that's it. <laughs> that's my success story, because I now know this new couple that I didn't know before. And do you know the truth is, I already know more about them than the people they bought the home from, who I lived next to for four, almost 14 years. I know more about the new people in three weeks than I did about the previous folks in 14 years. My fail, neighbors, now I'm expanding it just a bit, but neighbors can show up anywhere. And the other morning, I go to Panera. That's my coffee shop, okay? It's not a classy coffee shop in some ways. There's nothing hip about Panera. But I'm cheap because I can refill my coffee, okay? I do not like repaying or paying more for a second. Or I sure don't want to pay more for the fourth cup. Okay? Anybody with me? All right. Okay, so Panera's my coffee shop. I sometimes meet people there, but I do a lot of work there. And I sit in, in, at a table, and I got my stuff there, a computer, I got books, I'm, I'm working. And um, the other day, Monday morning, I needed to leave in just a few moments. And this guy came over, and he sat down right next to me. The place was not packed, so this is just a little bothersome, because there are two, two tables over, there was somebody, but there's open tables. And a guy comes and sits down at the only remaining table right next to me which is a little offensive, you know, invading my space. Anybody else get what I'm talking about? Just threw me off a bit. Huh. But I looked over, and do you know what God said to me very clearly? Say hi to him. Just say hi. Introduce yourself. And I, I dialogued with the Lord. I just said, you know what? I, I have to go. I have to go. And I, got, I, I started to finish my coffee. I started gathering stuff up. He kept saying, say hi to him. And I kept saying, well, truthfully, let's just make it pure and simple. I kept saying no. And I walked out. And that hung on my spirit all week long because it was like so obvious I had simply disobeyed God. God told me, I just preached a message the day before, love your neighbor, in this case, the person who happens to sit down next to you. And God told me to say hi to him, and I didn't. So there's my fail, okay? I bet this week some of you can fail but some of you can meet somebody. Here's the thing. If you really think about this idea, home in the middle, eight, eight dwelling places around, who has time even to think about that? Right? Is your life, are you relatively busy? Is your schedule relatively full? And now I'm telling you that as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you should get to know the eight closest, not just eight people, it might be eight families closest to you. You would think that we'd have so much time on our hands. If, if 25 years ago, I had told you that you could be in your car and you could be driving and you could talk to people all over the world, 
that you could deal with all the phone calls you need to make just while you're driving, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you you could um, compose something, you could write a letter, you could devise a message, <laughs> you could write a sermon while you're riding, riding along, you wouldn't believe it. But we can do those things, can't we? Um, if I told you that if you wanted to see a movie, once upon a time, that would have meant you needed to check the schedule and you would have needed to dri- drive downtown and go to the movie. But for most of us, for a long time, if we wanted to see a movie, any movie will do, we could just watch TV. But if you wanted to watch a particular movie, you needed to drive to Blockbuster and see if it was available and then rent it and drive back home. And then you had X amount of time to make it happen. But now, if you want to watch a movie, just virtually any movie in the world, you don't have to go anywhere at all, right? Do you need to go to the mall? I went to the mall to get this yesterday. But is it amazing? The truth is, you can get just about virtually anything in the world, and you never need to drive anywhere or walk anywhere or waste any. You would think we would be drowning in time. We have so much ability to save time. It's all around us, and yet we don't have any extra. Because do you know what we've chosen to do? We've chosen to save time and then cram our schedules and our lives still as full as we possibly can. It's a very dangerous thing. I want you to um, take that green insert, that prayer guide, and look on the back side. I just want you to see three simple myths about time. I'm just going to state them because we, our time has moved this morning in a crazy way, all right? Three myths we believe. Someday, things will settle down. <laughs> if we can just get through next week, next Friday, it's, it's, we're going to be okay. Any of you ever think that way or your spouse said that to you? We just get to the end of next week, <sighs> breathing room, and next week never comes. Um, More will be enough, this idea that if we just get one more thing, if we have one more experience, if we add one more thing to our lives, it will be the magic that makes it all work. And we spend our whole lives going for that one more thing, and it never satisfies. Thirdly, everybody lives like this, is what it is. Truthfully, a lot of people live like this. But truthfully, not everybody does, and not everybody has to. Jesus tells a story. I think the story he tells wasn't just something that happened. Luke chose it because it had meaning and significance for followers of Jesus to understand. Jesus had talked with this lawyer and he talked about the core lifestyle of a follower of Jesus or a child of God, to be loving God and loving your neighbor. And in the passages that follow, it's like he's laying that out and exploring it in new ways. So the Good Samaritan story is a story that helped it helps us understand what it means to love our neighbor. At the beginning of chapter 11, which we're not going to explore this week or next week, but we could, is a story that explores what it means to love God. It explores prayer. But in between those two stories, the Good Samaritan and the Lord's Prayer and, and the discussion Jesus gives about it there, there's this little story of Jesus' visit to a home. And I think in a lot of ways it's very pitiful, pivotal because it speaks to both commandments. Because in Jesus, guess what? We meet both God and human in Jesus. When we love Jesus, we're loving God. But when we love Jesus, we're also loving our neighbor, the one who came into our world 
and where we're going to receive him and welcome him into our lives. Jesus came to this home, as best we can tell, and surmise, putting lots of pieces together, Jesus had been there here before. It had been highly unlikely that Jesus just would have knocked on the door of two women and just said, hey, I'm coming for dinner, okay? These are people he knew who were welcoming in. Martha, in particular, seems to be the older sister, and she welcomes him into, the scriptures say, into her home. So likely she is the homeowner, Martha and Mary. And, and in the next moments, this really interesting scene unfolds of these two women. Mary, the younger one, maybe the one with less responsibility, sits down at Jesus' feet and spends time with him and listens to him and talks with him out in the living space somewhere, taking it easy by all signs. And Martha, meanwhile, is working hard. She's laboring away. She's getting everything um, ready and prepared And she is actually, you know, sibling relationships can be a little challenging. You know that? You love your your, your sibling. You love your sister. There's so many things you like about her. But put the two of you into a particular situation and these things that have been around for your whole lives come bubbling up to the surface and suddenly there it is again. And here we are. Mary sitting down on the job and Martha laboring away and Mary just enjoying herself and Martha seething inside until she finally goes to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, this is ridiculous. I'm working and she's sitting. Shame her. Tell her she's bad. Send her, send her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And when I say a name twice, it's not a good thing. I'm angry or I'm cynical or... Tim, Tim, how stupid of you. You know, you know I'm sorry. I was, was I quoting you, Kim? I, I'm sorry. I, when I double up my words on names, probably not good. But when Jesus did, it was a tender word. Martha, Martha, listen to me. Your sister's made a choice. She's chosen what is most important. What was Martha doing? She'd welcome someone. She was practicing hospitality. She was getting things ready for a meal. It all makes sense, but it was out of hand. Here are a couple different scripture uh, um, translations. The RSV says, Martha was distracted with much serving. The Living Bible, Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. Philip, she was worried about her elaborate preparations. The Good News Bible, Martha was upset over all the work she had to do. The message, Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Holman, she was distracted by her many tasks. The King James Version uses a word we don't use. She was cumbered. Cumbered. Remember the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Here's the third verse. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? To be cumbered is to be weighed down, an encumbrance, okay? She's weighed down by life, weighed down by things of her choice, weighed down of a t- by a task that she's making bigger and bigger, allowing to become its own God. Does everything need to be perfect? 
Does this meal need to be so elaborate? If it is, and if she devotes all her time to it, she will have no time for what is most important, paying attention to the person who stepped into her home. What I want to challenge you and me with is the question, is there room and space and time in our lives for the people around us? Is there any chance that you and I are going to be able to love our neighbors as ourselves? I know this gets risky and touchy because we love the things we do, even though we complain about them, right? But in filling up our lives with so much activity, okay, if we blew up, I remember a song lyric somewhere, something like this, blow up the TV, throw away the paper, move to the country, build us a home. Okay, anyway. Uh, but there it is. Blow up, blow up the TV, blow up the computer, blow up your cell phones. All the time-saving things, you know what you'd immediately, immediately have? You'd have more time. It's so weird. But you'd have more time. One way or the other, I'm not telling you to blow up any of those things, unless you think God wants you to, but to make choices. Look at these things down below. Make the main thing the main thing. Choose what's important. That's, some people say it's the temperament story. It's the story of Martha and Mary. They've got two different temperaments. Maybe they do. I don't think that's the point of the story. We all have different temperaments. We all make choices at different times. Jesus is challenging Martha, not in who she is and what she's like, but he's challenging her about the choice she's making. Martha, Mary is choosing to be with me, to sit at my feet, the posture of a disciple. She's listening. She's hearing me. The word literally means she's absorbing what I have to say. That tells me about how I should love God by loving Jesus. I should sit at his feet as a disciple. I should absorb his word. But it also tells me how I should love him as a neighbor. I should draw close to him. I should put down what I'm doing. I should listen. That's how we treat people the way God wants us to treat them. Eliminate. Eliminate. Eliminate time wasters. Eliminate time wasters. Things that just fill us up and, 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 and take us away and keep us so, so busy that we can never get where we um, intend to get. Listen to this. John Ortberg wrote these words in The Life You've Always Wanted. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And he talks about what he calls hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Most of us have it. Any of you hurry? I'm hurrying all the time. Anybody else? Maybe you don't hurry all the time. You hurry a lot, though, don't you? Yeah. Hurry sickness. He says... Hurry is so dangerous because love and hurry are incompatible. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Finally, be intentional. You know what I'm asking you to do this week as you close, as you walk out? You know what this is? It's a refrigerator magnet. Okay? I got refrigerator magnets for you. Not an unlimited supply, but I have them. Take one. Put it on your refrigerator at home. 
and start jotting down some names. Fill in the grid. Get to know the people around you. Go meet them. Say hi. Do you want to know the truth? I forgot. It's fun. It's actually fun. Jesus commands us to have fun by loving people. Not always fun, but so frequently. So will you take one? Will you meet somebody? And will you love them by listening and absorbing what they have to say? Hey, do you know what? I had a little more work to do on my sermon yesterday, so I headed off to the coffee shop in the morning. I sat down in Panera. I saw the pastor of Thornapple. Hey, Rob. Hey, last time I saw you here, we were drinking coffee, talking. Oh, yeah, we should get together. But I went back and I sat down, went up to refill my coffee, free, decaf. And I was walking back and I looked over and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's here. There he is. So I went over and I put my coffee cup down. I said, God, I'm listening. And I walked back over and I said, hey, you sat down next to me on Monday morning and I've been feeling bad all week long that I didn't just say hi. I don't know why I didn't, so hi, I'm Craig. He said, hi, I'm Jim. He's a senior adult. I have a good feeling he's a widower. Just a guess. He goes there, I can tell frequently by himself. He was very friendly. He was happy to talk. I will not forget his name. He said, I see you're busy. You're working on lots of stuff. I said, I I don't usually lead with this, but I said, I'm a pastor. He said, I've heard this before. I'm not religious. I said, well, don't worry about it. But I just want you to know, it's nice to meet you. I'll see you again. So even when we don't listen, do you know what God so frequently does? He gives us a second chance. Go take the second chance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, grateful actually that you've called us into this world to love you with all we are and all we have, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, including those who happen to sit down next to us at a coffee shop, or those who moved in next to us in the neighborhood. Give us courage. Help us to know it really doesn't take that much courage. And bless our endeavors for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.